Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I apologize in advance. I know my voice sounds like trash. Yesterday was Cinco de Mayo in Ghana. Yes, they celebrate that here. I mean, in some circles. But I went out. Not just last night. I went out yesterday. I went out for the duration of the day. I had lunch with one of my friends. You might know her if you watched An African City. Do you know what An African City is? It was this show on YouTube. It was kind of like a sex in the city set in Accra. It came out a while ago because when I came to Ghana for the first time, I want to say 2018, I was so excited about the trip and I was like researching everything that I could. And a bunch of people were like, oh, you have to watch An African City. And I watched it because it was shot here to get a sense of what Ghana looked like or just what the feel was, what the restaurants looked like, places I wanted to go, things I wanted to see. Like I watched the show, but I was also watching the background of the show. So one of the actresses from the show, she and I had lunch yesterday. She's such a sweet, sweet woman. And so I started with Prosecco there and then I came back to the hotel to do like a little bit of work. And then I met up with another friend who lives here. She's an American. But met up with her at this cute Mexican spot. And then Davida came and met us. So more drinks. And then we left there and went to another party where Davida knew the bartender. And so, you know, drinks for everyone. And I was like, oh my God. And the group that Davida brought over for this trip, this one is a private group that wanted to come. I'm talking about Davida because she's been on the podcast before. And I always travel to Ghana with her. But if you're not familiar, Davida is my homie. She runs KLA, goes to Ghana and... All the Ghana trips that you see me post, Davida's the organizer of them. 
So if you're interested in a Ghana trip, um, her website is CaitlinAndAdua.com. I'll list her website in the, um, the caption for the podcast so you can easily find it. So if you're interested in traveling to Ghana, that's how I end up here. That's how I fell in love with the country. But yeah, so the group that Davida's with, they love to party. They go out like every night until four or five o'clock in the morning because Ghana does party like that, even in the middle of rainy season. But they want some like shot, 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 shots, especially because it was Cinco de Mayo. So like I tapped out early. I think I got home around 3.30. I drank a bottle of water before I went to bed. So I didn't have a massive hangover. You know, I don't know what it would have been otherwise because I woke up this morning, didn't have a hangover, but just felt like shit. And now it's like 7.30 at night in Ghana, and I'm four hours ahead of the East Coast, seven hours ahead of the West. I'm just now starting to feel like myself. So, womp womp. I I cannot party like I used to, I swear. I don't know what 42 is. No, that's not true. All day today, I have felt very much 42 until maybe like 30 minutes ago. I had to order room service and get some food in my system, and then I was like, oh, okay. But usually I don't, you know, think about my age. Like I'm just, you know, out here living. I might think about it sometimes when I'm working out where I can't like go as fast as I used to or or lift as heavy as I used to. But I think that's just a matter of like getting into shape. I can see the progress happening. But most of the time I don't think about my age. But like today I was like, I felt every bit of and I was like, there used to be a time that I could, you know, party like I did yesterday, sleep for three hours, get up and go to work and be and be fine by like noon. Those days are behind me. By far. I need to make sure I don't have too many of these days. I'm like, I got shit to do. And I was just down for the count, so. But it all worked out, though. It all worked out, though. Last week, I told y'all the podcast was going to be late because I actually I had something to do today. And I knew it was going to throw off my taping schedule. Um, I did not expect that Kevin Samuels was going to die yesterday. And I held the podcast. And I've been on social media, like, all day waiting for confirmation of his demise. Because last night or early this morning, actually, it was like one, it was like probably like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning when people started tagging me. There wasn't a confirmation. It was rumored. I didn't want to say anything just because there have been like some really big, crazy rumors in the last couple months. Like one was, you know, Queen Elizabeth was dead. And then it turns out like Queen Elizabeth wasn't dead. And then also like ASAP and Rihanna. And I was like, you know what? It really won't kill me or subtract anything from me if I just, you know. Shut the fuck up until there's a confirmation or the rumor is debunked. It won't kill me to just wait a little longer and see, see what's actually going on, see what's factual. So there was much conversation on social media. I mean, a lot. Like Kevin Samuels was trending, not just in the United States. He was trending in Ghana. But NBC got in contact with his mother and his mother confirmed that he had passed. And she also said that she found out that he died on social media which I was like, oh my God. I felt how I felt about Kevin Samuels. I don't think I've ever mentioned his name on my podcast before or any of my social media sites. I frequently refer to him as the cult leader. So if you were wondering who I was talking about in Larry, that was him. But yeah, I call him a cult leader. So you can kind of guess how I felt about his opinions, his platform and how he used it. But that said, his mama finding out that her son is dead on social media, she ain't deserve that. For those of you who have not been following this story super, super closely, let me read you what NBC News said. The headline is Kevin Samuels, YouTuber with 1.4 million subscribers, has died. Not a relationship expert, not, a, not an image consultant, which I think is what he referred to himself as, but a YouTuber. A 
I've seen his age listed as everything from like 52 to 57. I'm in his 50s. A YouTuber in his 50s. The article notes that he was known for his controversial relationship advice. His mother, which I just mentioned, she found out that he died from social media. And she said, quote, that was a terrible thing for social media to put that out. She said, I didn't even know. I hadn't even been notified. She said, all I'm doing is requesting that people pray for us. I think that's fair. I have no problem praying for his mother and for his family. NBC reports that the Atlanta Police Department said officers were called to an apartment on Thursday morning regarding a person injured. They said by the time he arrived, first responders were performing CPR on an unresponsive man. A woman in the apartment. I saw an excerpt from the police report. And social media seems to have found the, the woman. I'm not going to put her name out there. Um, it's already all over social media. She's probably going to be doxxed. I feel really bad for this lady. People are saying that she is 30 to 31. She is Hawaiian Pacific Island heritage, I believe, a.k.a. not a black woman. Pretty woman. If it's the woman whose image is circulating, she's a nurse. She's the one that called 911. The story on the police report is that she met Kevin Samuels the night before and they agreed to spend the night together. Everybody's grown. Everybody's of the age of consent. So, you know, that is what it is. She said the next morning he was complaining about his chest hurting. She's a nurse and she said she was trying to help him figure out what was wrong. And she said he collapsed into her. Okay, I'm reading from the police report. This was published on The Shade Room. She spent the night with him the early morning. He complained of chest pain. She attempted to help him, but he fell on top of her. And then she called 911. Because social media, especially Twitter, is trash. Folks have been making jokes from the color purple. Um, like, how'd he die? On top of me? It actually does seem to be accurate that he, that he fell on top of her and, and died. In the, in the color purple, when she says he died on top of me, it's while he was having sex. That does not seem to be the case. To me, the description doesn't sound like they were in the act when he expired. Reactions to his death have been as, as controversial as, as he was. I've seen the full range. People saying that he was a father figure or their internet daddy or the only father they'd ever known. He did have at least one child, but these are not his children saying this. These are random people on the internet who've never met him, but clearly had an emotional attachment to what they viewed while watching his videos, which I was like, really? But, you know, different people fill different voids in different ways. Doesn't mean it's healthy, doesn't mean it's functional, just means the void is filled. There was a lot of people seriously mourning him and talking about like what a great loss it was and going on and on like Jesus had been nailed to the cross. It was men and women. I think that's important to note. There were also a significant number of men and women who were like, not necessarily I'm glad he's dead, but just like, at least we ain't got to hear that shit no more. I did see some people celebrating, not many, but enough. I also saw a lot of people talking about the people celebrating and how wrong it was to celebrate someone's death. And... That's something I choose not to do. But I, I find it very difficult to be upset with people who do openly celebrate. The man was a menace. And I don't mean to be disrespectful of the dead, but I also believe in speaking of people in death, how they live their lives. And, and he's only become super popular on YouTube in like the last couple years. I don't know what his professional trajectory was prior to that, but what he's best known for is 
and this is a matter of perspective, is getting on the internet and saying degrading, inflammatory shit, mostly about black women. I've been informed that he also, you know, spoke crazy to black men. It's not personal to black women. Um, do you think that makes it okay? I found most of the things that I heard, and I'm just speaking about his advice. I'm not speaking about his personal life. That the advice that he gave or the way that he spoke to people, I thought most of it was abusive and triggering and damaging and hurtful and degrading and just plain mean. There's a way to give advice to people that can be very blunt without being very hurtful. I mean, I did it for years, like a decade. You don't have to resort to calling people names to get your point across, but that was his way. And by the way, when I say like, calling people names. I mean, straight up telling women, kick rocks, bitch. I saw a video of him saying that to someone. I saw a video of, of a woman who had called into his show, which baffles me why women were calling into his show. But because they called in does not mean that it's fine to abuse them. No, you could have chosen not to be abusive. And you purposefully, willfully, intentionally, repeatedly chose to be that, especially with the women who called in. But I saw this woman and she wasn't even being combative. He just didn't like her answers. And he started playing dog barking noises while she was speaking, <laughs> which I'm laughing, not because it's funny, because that shit is bizarre. Like who does that? Who behaves like that? Kevin Samuels did. I saw another video with this woman, another woman. She wasn't hostile. She wasn't confrontational. She just wasn't agreeing with him. And they were having a, a back and forth. While she was speaking, he picked up his phone and started typing. And I thought that was a bit rude. And then he turned the phone around and he pulled up a picture of Ja Rule and told the woman that that's what she looked like. He was very well known for rating women, asking them their dress size or their weight and telling them they were a one or a two or a four. He would tell them that they would die alone. He would tell them with the, the dog barking noises to buy a dog because that was going to be their only companion. No one would ever want to marry them. People keep calling it like accountability or, or brutal honesty. And that's not what accountability looks like. And brutal honesty doesn't have to be harmful or painful or hurtful. It doesn't have to obliterate people's self-esteem. And then people will come back and say, well, then your self-esteem should have been higher. <sighs> How high is your self-esteem really if you're calling into a man that clearly, clearly hates women? And that's not a commentary on his sexuality. As far as I know, he's a heterosexual man. But there are a whole lot of men who enjoy having sex with women that don't actually like women. There's two, it's two separate things. Let's talk about some other things that he said to people. He called women who were over 35 and unmarried. He said they were leftovers. He used eugenics to explain why black women were physically less attractive than other groups of women. He was talking about the symmetry of the face and their features. He says beauty has a very universal look and black women don't have it. That one especially is, is what makes me like really like tilt my head at black women who followed him. I'm like, you're following a man who used a debunked science, no less, to tell you why you are less attractive. This is who you take advice from about dating relationships and womanhood. He had a particular disdain for single mothers. I saw another video earlier today because people kept sending me stuff. It was a hypothetical, but this woman, she was a single mother and he was telling this woman why no man would want her. He gave this example to this woman. He said, okay, you have a daughter. And he's like, say you remarry somebody and you have two more children. 
So he said, say you have a daughter. She accuses your husband of, I think he said touch and then he changed it to look and it came out as something like touch look. He said, what if your daughter came to you and she said that your husband touch looked at her in an inappropriate way while she was getting out of the shower? And so the woman, being the good mother that she is, she was like, oh, no, we're out. We're done. Like, I have to protect my child. Like, that's, that's my role as, as a mom. He was like, and see, that's the problem. That's the problem. And he was like, you know, you're prioritizing this one daughter, but you also have two children with your husband. And he was like, you know, and children lie. He was justifying this. And I was like, what in the fucking pervert, pedophile, Chester molester shit are you saying, sir? Didn't we just read a story about this? This week, last week, I want to say it was like a 16-year-old girl. I can't remember if it was the boyfriend or the husband, but he was in the room with her and she called the mother and was like, tell him to stop. Like, I'm scared. I'm uncomfortable. The girl also had called her older sister and told her what was going on. She said, come get me. And the sister said, I'm on my way. But the man was standing in the room. The mother was shouting at him to leave the girl alone he ended up killing that girl. Let me look that up real quick. Because I, when I read that, I was like, wait, what? Okay, so this happened in Harris County, Texas. Oh, gosh. Little girl's face just popped up. I recognized her. She was a 16-year-old girl. Her name was Lauren Juma. Okay, so the daughter and the boyfriend, 60, were at the house alone together. The mom was at a work training program. Early Friday morning at 1 a.m., Juma FaceTimed her mother and one of her older sisters. She said, quote, he was being really weird and she wanted me to come pick her up. This is what the 19-year-old sister said. So the 19-year-old sister headed to the house. She says, by the time I got there, the police were already out searching around the house. She said, I was there about three minutes before I heard two gunshots go off and I ran towards the house. According to court records, Lauren, she told her mom in the FaceTime call that the boyfriend was standing inside her room in the dark and she wanted her mother to tell him to get out, which the mother did. The girl then screamed, mom, he has a gun. And then the call ended. I feel like we hear stories about boyfriends or stepfathers harming children, the children in the house on not a regular basis. But often enough that I think if your daughter comes to you and says he did something that made me uncomfortable or he was looking at me, he was watching me, he tried to touch me, something like that, that as a mother, as a halfway decent mother, you're obligated to make sure your child is safe. And if that means removing yourself and your children from the home or that means kicking that man out the house, then that's what you do. You are obligated to make sure your children are safe. The idea that that should be brushed aside and your husband should be prioritized over a child who's accusing him of being inappropriate is crazy shit. But that's the type of shit that Kevin Samuels used to say. So it's really crazy to me to watch people get on Al Gore's internet right now and watch black women either have apathy or tell the truth about who Kevin Samuels was with quotes or be upset that people are celebrating his demise. It's crazy to me that people can know that these are the things that he used to say. These are the things that he used to do. And they can try to dress it up and sanitize it as he was just trying to hold women accountable. He was just trying to tell harsh truth. You need to call a woman a bitch to hold her accountable. You need to play dog barking noises 
to, to give a hard truth. You need a mother to ignore that her daughter is telling her that the, her stepfather is being inappropriate. That's how we teach an accountability. Or is that how we're putting black women further in jeopardy? Telling them to bury their heads in the sand about protecting their own damn kids. How is using eugenics to tell black women that they are less attractive than other groups of women? How is that holding them accountable? How is that helpful in any way? There are so many people on the internet right now that are spinning Kevin Samuels and the things that he said. And like, they're trying to make a martyr out of this nigga. Like he's like Nelson Mandela or Tupac or some shit. Are you kidding me? He was a plague. He was harmful. And I think that black women, when you see them say that they're rejoicing or they're celebrating or they say good riddance, I don't really think people are glad that he's dead per se. I think that they're glad that he's not able to get on the internet and terrorize and abuse black women on a nightly basis anymore. I think people don't fully understand the way that men, so many men, listen to that crazy shit that Kevin Samuels used to say. What do you bring to the table? I'm a high value man. Are are you willing to submit? Niggas would quote this man in dating profiles and on dates. It wasn't just some crazy shit that you log on to social media for key keys and it just stays there. Like it seeped over into the real world and had really harmful effects on women. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In my former life, I was a dating and relationship coach. I'm a licensed life coach. I tell you all the time that I don't practice anymore for a variety of reasons. One of them is before Kevin Samuels, there have been reiterations over the years of Kevin Samuels. And I would be out here giving advice to women 
work on this and do this and change this and approach this different way and change your perspective and all of these things. And women were willing to do the work because they very much wanted to be loved, accepted, attached, validated by a relationship, by marriage, or they just wanted a partner. But I was out here trying to help women to become their best selves. And I was like, helping you to evolve so you could be a great mate for someone, a great partner for someone, and then your partner has done none of the work, or your partner is out here thinking they're doing work by taking the advice of people who hate women. And they're coming back to you with that bullshit. How are you going to partner with someone as your best elevated self and you're matching with someone who's actively going backwards? How? How does that work? I was like, black women should just do their thing, do whatever makes them happy. And if they find someone that it works out with, great. And if they don't, I said this on the Larry episode, then they don't, but they live their best lives either way. I'll say this again. I don't celebrate his death, but I will not miss his crazy ass commentary. And what also kind of scares me Because Kevin Samuels is not the first. He's an evolution of of dating experts over the years. Like somebody earlier today was telling me, she's like, I really like Kevin Samuels. He's like, you don't really get relationship advice from men. Huh? I've been a life coach since 2011. I've been in dating relationships field since 2002. I've watched nothing but men dominate in this field. And some of them have been better than others, but I'm like, there's Paul Carrick Brunson, and there's obviously been Steve Harvey, and there's uh, Chayan Bostic. Is that his name? Oh, what's the other guy from the South? Tony. Tony. Who's Tony, the relationship expert? Tony. Tony Gaskins. That's his name. I just had to look him up. There was um, Enetan Bariola. He's actually really good. I liked his advice. It was based in like communication and people working as individuals to be their whole and healthy selves and then coming together and communicating and problem solving with respect for one another. It's not surprising to me that he's happily married with two kids to like one of my favorite humans. So I met him first and then like I met his wife through him and then now I only really speak to his wife. I still love him, but I really only talk to his wife now because I'd be like, send me pictures of the kids. Letitia, she's a life coach now too, as a matter of fact, and a good one. She's like one of the calmest people I've ever met. Me and Bariola, not so much. That's a whole other story, though. Someday I'll tell the story of when they came to visit New York. That was a wild-ass weekend. That was fun. Hill Harper, he's another one. He was a relationship expert for a while. But there have been so many men who have made big money off telling women how they should be in relationships, how they should live their lives, how they should be better women. And, and it varies from, like, you know, Kevin Samuels, who I think is, like, on the steeper end of misogyny, to other people who I feel like, you know what, like, you actually might like, or actually, like, love and appreciate women. Like, you might have a healthy relationship with your mama. It runs the gamut. But the idea that, like, Kevin Samuels is, like, the first person to, to come out and hold women accountable or tell them what to do, I'm like, no, they all do that. And they've been doing it for years. Men telling women how, how they can best be women is, is like a national pastime. And not just in recent years, but definitely my whole lifetime, your mama's lifetime, your grandma, your great granny. And to be quite honest, the more misogynistic you are, the further you go. And it runs in a loop. So when I used to work at Essence, like I was obsessed with being an Essence editor. Like I really took pride in that job. During my downtime in my editor in chief's office, they had binders and the binders had every issue of Essence that had ever been published. So I would go get the binders. I started at the beginning and I just started flipping through and like reading the articles. But the very first issue of Essence that ran in 1970, the cover line, sensual black man 
Do you love me? And the article starts off talking about a woman going out to dinner and she notices all the tables of women sitting together in groups or doubles and, or singly. But she talks about all the women being without men. She wonders where are the men and why don't black men want black women? Why don't they want to partner with black women? Why are black women not getting married? Why are so many black women single? This is 1970. So when people talk about like these modern women and their modern problems and, and this is all like brand new because this city girl mentality and nah, it, it predates everybody you're talking to. You got to go back to like, cause we're talking about grown people in the seventies. Aren't those boomers? This isn't new. That was the conversation in the seventies. You've also got, what's the play? What's the big play? When the rainbow is enough for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. That's like the defining narrative on on black women and relationships in the 70s. And then you get to the 80s. In the 80s, there's also the color purple, which is one of the defining narratives about the relationship between black men and black women. Highly controversial, as you can imagine, for the portrayal of everybody. But black men look like shit in that film. Admittedly, they did. And I think sometimes that people feel like there's an obligation by black women to speak positively of black men or to give like a a varying representation of black men. And sometimes black women's stories don't have a black male hero. It's an uncomfortable truth of the matter. Sometimes it's just a bunch of burdens and a bunch of bullshit. Unfortunate, but that's also some black woman's story. And because there's no, um, upside or there's no good representation of a black man doesn't mean the story doesn't deserve to be told. Then you get to the 90s, you've got all the Terry McMillan books, including Waiting to Exhale was the biggest one. But if you're a Terry McMillan fan, Disappearing Acts and Mama are actually better. But you've got Waiting to Exhale. And then you've also got this woman named Shahrazad Ali. Do you remember her? She's one of the few black relationship experts. She and Iyanla that rose to I would say sort of like a national prominence, but Shahrazad Ali's book, the title of the book is the black man's guide to understanding the black woman. And so she was telling men essentially how to get submission out of these modern new age black women. So how to tame them. The headline for one of these pieces is if you can't join them, beat them. It's very the color purple. The standout advice in there was if a black woman is too mouthy, then the man should just slap her in the face. Slap her in the mouth. If this sounds like, you know, Seely telling Harpo to beat Sophia, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. I give you this like short history of the depiction of, of black men's and women's relationships since 1970. We're talking about like for the last 50 years, because if you listen to like these new age gurus and it's like, no, women before you were like really great and like you're trash and you should be like women before you. Which women? Because you had a problem in the 2000s, you had a problem in the 90s, you had a problem in the 80s, you had a problem in the 70s. I can't tell you in good detail about the 60s, 50s, 40s, but I know up until the 70s, women, not even just black women, women across the board, couldn't even open a bank account without their husband's or father's permission. You're not really dealing publicly with the innermost thoughts of, of women. You don't have independence and you have to rely on a man for survival. So that totally affects the way that you engage with the world, the way that you treat a man. I don't think it's necessary to go into a definitive history throughout the ages, but I just think it's important to note that like this shit isn't new. And there have always been men always telling women like how they should be. It might be a relationship expert with a very wide platform 
or it might just be like your daddy, your uncles, some nigga in the street yelling, yelling at you to smile. None of this shit is new. Kevin Samuels didn't pop out of a pod. And what I was saying earlier about my greatest fear, do you remember like, like pre-Trump, there was Sarah Palin and all that Tea Party crazy shit. And we thought the Tea Party was as crazy as it got. We were like, yo, these people are fucking nuts. You got, went and got this ditzy chick to be like a heartbeat away from the presidency as your vice president? Like, she doesn't even read. And she's going to be like the second most powerful person in the nation? Are you kidding me? We thought all of that shit was batshit. Then Obama gets elected. And so we're like, okay, like everything's fine. And then you end up with Trump. What my fear is, is that Kevin Samuels is like the Tea Party. Like as bad as we thought that this dude is, what's coming next is going to be worse. It keeps getting worse. And that's intentional too. The more freedom that women have, the more education, and not just black women. I specifically speak to a black audience, so I talk about black people. But everything that happens with black people is a microcosm of what's happening in larger society. But the more independence that women have, the more education that women have, the worse that men who don't like women are going to get. Because you can't control them. It's no coincidence that we're living in a time where women, on average, are earning the most that they've ever earned. They have the most freedom that they've ever had. Women outnumber men in university. It's not coincidental that you end up with the Kevin Samuels. It's also not coincidental that you end up with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. It all works in tandem together. Like the women are too goddamn free. Did you see crazy ass Matt? Was it Matt Gates? Is that his last name? The congressman? We talked about him a long time ago. The kid that was living with him was his ex-girlfriend's brother. He broke up with the girlfriend. The kid stayed in the house. I was like, that's weird. Why he go with his sister? Why he still with you? We were like, that don't make no sense why this boy living in your house. So that guy, Congressman Gates, right? This dude is currently being investigated for sex with a minor, a 17-year-old, an alleged prostitute, and then taking her across state lines. Which, equ- which equates to sex trafficking. Someone he's associated with has already, plead gu- has already pled guilty and is about to like spill all the tea. Last, so this dude, earlier this week, after there's that leak from the Supreme Court about overturning Roe v. Wade, this dude gets his happy ass on Instagram and starts complaining about educated, overeducated, I think that's important, overeducated women who go and protest. This is what he tweeted. And again, this is a man who was suspected of grooming a minor, the little boy that was living in his house, and then also as under investigation for sex with and sex trafficking a 17-year-old. This is some bullshit. He gets on Al Gore's Twitter and he says, quote, how many of the women rallying against overturning Roe are overeducated, underloved millennials who sadly return from protests to a lonely microwave dinner with their cats and no bumble matches? Does this not sound familiar? Does this not sound like Kevin Samuels shit? I read this to you so you understand that even when I talk about Kevin Samuels and even though I talk about black shit, this isn't like a black shit problem. This is a woman, sexism, patriarchy problem. It's not just some shit black people deal with. You got a sitting U.S. congressman talking about women are overeducated. I'm like, how can you be overeducated? Why are we acting like education for women specifically? Not, not ever for men. But why are we acting like education for women is a bad thing? One of the reasons is, theoretically, it doesn't always play out with student loan debt, but the more educated you are, you're more likely to get a good paying job where you can support yourself. And if you can support yourself, if you're not relying on a man for money, 
If you don't need your father or your husband to sign a bank account, if you can get an apartment in your name and furnish it and buy a little boop boop car, then you don't labor for men in the same way. When you're able to sufficiently support yourself, you put up with a lot less shit. You're not leaning on someone for survival. You can start with survival and fuck around and find out you can thrive on your own. You move different. And that's what's freaking men out. You don't have control of women anymore. So you end up with shit like Kevin Samuels, obviously, but you also end up with shit like Matt Gates. Like you're a sitting congressman. You're upset that women are upset about Roe v. Wade. And instead of actually addressing the issues, the concerns that women have, I ran off a list last episode and I was like, you know, if you're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, what are we going to do about actual universal health care or health care? Even if you have it, is not breaking your bank. What are we going to do about child care? What are we going to do about schools? What are we going to do about maternity and paternity leave? What are we going to do to support all these new humans that you're are trying to get born? What are we going to do about sex education? Abstinence only ain't going to cut it. Are we going to teach these kids how to put condoms on? Because the pullout method don't work. People be like, oh, yeah, it does. Half of the people in the world exist because of the pullout method. Can it work? Sure. Is it reliable to work? It's if. I wouldn't fuck around with that, especially with abortion off the table. But he could have said any of those things. As a sitting congressman, again, he has the ability to create legislation. He has the ability to actually make things into law. And instead of actually addressing angry women and their concerns, he attacks their love lives. You're underloved. You're sad. You're lonely. No one matches with you online. Kevin Samuels likes to tell people, get a dog, those barking noises. He, he instead references cats, a microwave dinner with cats. We talked about holding out marriage and a man's approval and partnership as this sort of like brass ring that women have to achieve. And it's the only thing that matters in their lives. This is the Nalari episode. We talked about it in reference to Kevin Samuels. Well, now we're talking about it again in, in reference to Matt Gates. These two are not the only ones. They're just the biggest examples this week. But there's like an all out assault on women right now. If you feel it, it's because that's what it is. I was on Twitter earlier today. I had to get off. The things that I was seeing men say to women, like it was more vile than usual. You know, Twitter is pretty bad on like a regular basis. I was just, it was all sorts of like bitches and hoes. That's why you're not loved. You're evil. You're disgusting. You're a bunch of weirdos. I'm literally flipping through my phone and pulling lines that I saw, that I screenshotted from what's on Twitter today. You wonder why you're not married. Disgusting. Of all the things that people have time, space, and opportunity to talk about when it comes to women, All the things, the myriad of things. They love to harp on women's relationships. They love to harp on women's singleness, i.e. women's freedom. Which is also really weird too, because there have been tons of studies about single women who've never had children. And in like the happiness index studies, they're always the happiest. Single men who've never had children are always the loneliest. They also die earlier than married women. You know who else dies earlier? We talked about this in an episode a long time ago. And people were like, what? Google it. Several studies have found that married women die earlier than single women. There have also been studies like trying to figure out why. Like married women are stressed the fuck out. I'm specifically saying married women and not mothers for a reason. Married women who are mothers don't complain about the kids. They complain about the husband. Toddlers running around aren't driving people insane. Toddlers are acting like toddlers. People expect toddlers to be toddlers. People expect teenagers to be teenagers. Where they get fucked up at is like, why this grown-ass man ain't acting like a grown-ass man? Why are you on crazy shit? That's what's fucking people up. Single women outlive everybody. 
That's crazy. And when I'm talking about those statistics, they're not specific to black women. But clearly something is going on in marriage and partnerships that is not working for women. Literally to the point that it's killing them early. We can't keep going on this way. We can't. Fuck. There's too much other stuff that we have to talk about. And I'm going to save it for Monday because this episode is really long and nothing else is super pressing. We'll save it till Monday to talk about the new White House press secretary and how like I teared up over her. Oh, and the update on the single dad. Several of you wrote in and they were like, well, look, the woman said, come to me. Did he go? I know the answer now. We'll talk about Dave Chappelle getting tackled at the Hollywood Bowl. And then Chris Rock has started giving commentary on Will Smith, equip here, equip there. And we'll talk about Kim Kardashian. Not so much Kim Kardashian, but white people having this like epic meltdown over Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress. Apparently Marilyn Monroe is like sacred to white people. She could be sacred to black people. I feel like we're more into Dorothy Dandridge. But white people are having a fit over Marilyn Monroe. And they were like, Kim desecrated the dress and she can't hold a candle to Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, why y'all acting like Marilyn Monroe was a saint? Did I miss something? The Marilyn Monroe dress that Kim wore? And also, let me say this. I understand why historians are upset. They got a valid beef with this one. But just like the random people on internet, I've not seen any black people really upset about this. Like, we don't have a dog in this fight. It's like blonde white woman and then usually brunette white woman who dyed her hair blonde and it made her look washed out. But also she might have looked washed out because she couldn't wear her tanner with the dress because the dress couldn't get stained. The dress also couldn't get zipped. Like Kim Kardashian showed up to the Met Gala with this Marilyn Monroe dress on and this white fur that she kept off her shoulders and clearly covering her ass because the dress wouldn't go over her ass. I was like, girl, that's ghetto as shit. You went and got this $5 million dress and wore it to the Met Gala and the shit wouldn't even zip? Girl, if you don't go get a replica and call it a day, just lie to the people and tell them you're wearing Marilyn's dress, Ripley would have gone with it. That's who owns the dress. But, but white people are really upset about this dress. And I was like, but the dress that she wore, the one that Kim couldn't get over her ass, was that not Marilyn Monroe's dress that she wore to sing happy birthday to the president? And it was kind of like that was the time when everyone realized like, oh, the rumors about her being his mistress are true. She's singing this sexy happy birthday tribute to the president with his wife sitting right next to him. This is the classy Marilyn Monroe that you think is too good to have Kim wear her dress? Really? I also remember like a couple years ago, there was this video circulating of Queen Elizabeth meeting Marilyn Monroe for this first time. She looked at that woman like she was pure D trash. I mean, the queen looking at Marilyn Monroe. The queen looked at Marilyn Monroe like she was beneath her. And I was like, Marilyn Monroe existed in the 1950s and she was walking around with these like new dresses that were like super closely cut, showing off her figure. I'm like, I'm pretty positive she was thought of as a whore in her time. If nothing else for like fucking the president... She was a movie star and she was famous and she was a pinup. She was really the Kim Kardashian of her time. She could just act. Correction. She could, she appeared in films. Acting is debatable. I mean, she's no Viola Davis. But people are really out here acting. They were like, oh, Kim never should have been allowed. Like literally, like she never should have been allowed to touch the hem of Marilyn's garment. I ain't got nothing against Marilyn Monroe. There's a great documentary about her on Netflix, or at least I hear it's great. Every time I try to put it on, I fall asleep. I mean, I'm also really tired. That's not an indication about the film. That said, but that said, I was like, when did Marilyn Monroe become like so goddamn sacred? She was a sex symbol. Kim's a sex symbol. My only objection to Kim wearing a dress and not taking into account the historians 
talking about the dress. They're like, the historians are like, the dress is sacred. And they have a valid, valid concern about that. I'll get into it next week. But I was like, she shouldn't have worn the dress because the dress didn't fit. Like, literally, her ass is hanging out the dress. Like, they couldn't zip it, so they didn't zip it at all. And they used some sort of tie to, like, tie it together at, like, the base of her back. Kim is, and Kim said she lost 16 pounds to get into the dress. I would usually never comment on a woman's weight in this way, but Kim told people that she lost 16 pounds in three weeks to, like, get into the dress, which still didn't fit. But she looked sickly. And again, that could be because she didn't have on her body makeup, which makes her darker, makes her appear more like a black woman or a woman who's biracial. But I was like, the dress didn't look good on her. The whole thing, the whole, the whole look just wasn't a good look. Like the bleach blonde hair, which, I mean, you know, in tribute to Marilyn. But I was like, that's not your look. You look better with dark hair, sis. It's a pretty dress. It didn't necessarily highlight anything on Kim to me. But people are talking about it. That's all she really cares about. She went and got another one of Marilyn's dresses, too. I saw earlier when I was scrolling, because, yes, I actually follow Kim Kardashian on Instagram. It's like a pretty green dress. But she's going through some sort of Marilyn Monroe phase right now. And I was like, I don't know what that's about. Is this, like, part of your, like, post-divorce processing? People get weird during and post-divorce. I, I know from firsthand experience. So, I was like, she's going through something. And she's decided to channel Marilyn Monroe to go through it. I was like, sis, you know how she ended, right? She didn't, it didn't end well. She OD'd. Some people say she was murdered. But either way, do you want to be murdered? Do you want to OD? Do you want to be like, you know, be addicted to drugs? This isn't a good ending. You may consider wanting to channel somebody that has a happy ending. That might be more healthy for you. Just a suggestion. What do I know? We'll talk about the rest of the pop culture stuff next week. I also, but I do want to say this. Corinne Jean-Pierre. I should have said this at the beginning of the episode. We should have talked about, um, we should have talked about good black news. I'm all over the place right now. I look, I'm still kind of hungover. Work with me. Corinne Jean-Pierre is the new White House press secretary. She's taking over from Jen, red-haired Jen. I think Jen has done an excellent job. I'm really proud of her. But Corinne Jean-Pierre is taking over. She is notably a black woman. She is a black first. She is also a Haitian woman, Haitian-American woman. So that's another first. And then she's also the first woman, I don't know how she identifies, let's say LGBTQIA+, so we, we cover the gamut, the first of that too. I don't know if she self-identifies as like lesbian or queer or I don't know. I ain't trying to offend nobody. I'm not trying to get canceled. But what I'm trying to say is I'm really excited for sis. I'd stopped like addictively watching CNN like a long time ago. And then, you know, my favorite anchor went and did some dumb shit and got fired, but neither here nor there. But, I'm ex- but I think I'm going to start watching CNN again just to see her press conferences. There's something about seeing a, a brown-skinned black woman with a kinky, curly afro in the White House specifically um, that's in a prominent position that we're going to see on a regular basis, the same, with the same frequency that we saw Jen, that just made me really, really proud. That's the podcast for this week. There's, like I said, a ton of stuff that we didn't touch on. I swear, at some point I'm going to end up becoming like a dating and relationship expert again. You see me like inching back in, even though I'm like, I don't do this. But then like, I do this. We'll see. Oh, you know what else I want to talk about? I'll save that for next week. Bozema St. John and Netflix. I have thoughts. And probably not what you think. We'll save it for Tuesday though. Tuesday I might be flying home. I haven't decided if I'm going to extend my trip yet. So I don't know if we're going to be late on Tuesday. Let's just say we'll be late on Tuesday so you know what to expect. And you'll be surprised if it's on time. Does that work? All right. I will talk to you on Tuesday. Have an awesome weekend. Have an awesome Mother's Day. Not everything. 
it's enough. Talk soon. Bye. <laughs>